Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking to Walid Shabbat, a former PLO terrorist who was converted to the Christian faith and is the founder of the Walid Shabbat Foundation. His mission and passion is to bring the truth about the Bible, the cause of Christ and the case for Israel, which he continues to bring to millions of people throughout the world. Walid grew up as a terrorist, but when he married a Christian woman, he was challenged to examine the Bible in 1993 and to compare it with the Quran. Waleed, welcome to History Makers. Thank you for having me. Now, Waleed, can you describe for us what it was like for you and your wife when you, being a non-believer, and the events that unfolded in your household that led to your conversion to Christianity? Well, we were fighting like cats and dogs when the first year of our during the first year of our marriage. She was basically from a Catholic background. I was a Muslim. And, of course, I was attempting to convert my wife to Islam. It's a duty of every Muslim male. And there's many of these marriages in which Muslim males marry non-Muslims, Christians, Catholic, Jewish. And <clears throat> she began to ask me questions. She said, you know, why should I leave my biblical heritage? I said, well, you know, as Muslims who believe the Bible has been corrupted, the Bible has been, Bible has been changed. You know, the, the doctrine of the Trinity is false, the crucifixion is false, all these things. And she said, well, you know, how would you make these claims about the Bible if you never really read the entire book? Don't you think you need to read the entire book and find the problems in the Bible and point them out to me one by one? If you do so, I'll be glad to become a Muslim. So that challenge began my journey. I purchased a Bible for $10. I began to read it from cover to cover to find the problems. And, you know, reading right from the beginning of Genesis, I will put enmity between you and the woman. There's a hatred, special hatred by the uh, adversary, Lucifer, against the woman, because she brings the fourth the seed of the Messiah. I began to see concepts in the Bible that doesn't exist in the Quran, the concept of nationalism, how God, in the story of Shainar, began to uh, basically disseminate the tribes into different cultures and backgrounds and languages, and I saw Islam, of course, as a Muslim, as a universalist system in which it unites everyone under one language, the Arabic language. So I began to look further into the Bible, found the elements, the prophetic elements in the Bible, which were very fascinating to me. I found all the nations that the Bible deals with in the ends of times, name by name, are all Islamic. I began to say, well, wait a minute, I thought we were on the right side. This book seems to be talking differently. I began to see the names of uh, the titles or the descriptions of Lucifer in the Bible. You know, he is the most proud one. In Islam, of course, the God Allah is described to us as Al-Mutakabbir, which means the most proud one. So I began to find more about the adversary in the Bible and began to recognize right there that there is a difference. The, the Quran is the antithesis of the Bible. It's the opposite of the Bible. Uh, I began to see uh, the issue of the crucifixion. You know, it is indeed uh, documented in the Bible. Now, when the Quran came to deny the crucifixion, and in fact, in the very context of the Quran, in the denial of the crucifixion, Allah declares that he is the greatest of all deceivers. He deceived the world to make them think that Jesus was crucified. I said, wait a minute, how could our God, uh, no. how could our God Allah, be the greatest of all deceivers? And then I began to look at the prophetic element in much depth, in which Isaiah said, 
for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me for telling the end from the beginning. I began to see God had planned everything in advance, which was very astonishing to me. Then I began to review Israel as a nation, how God promised to recreate that nation, the Valley of the Dry Bones. In Amos chapter 9, verse 15, it says, I will plant them in their land, and no longer shall they be pulled out of that land. That's amazing, because I remember I lived during the Six Days War. I lived during the Yom Kippur War. I, 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 I harbored animosity towards the Jew. Jesus was a Jew himself. He came to rescue Israel in the end. You know, So I began to realize I was on the wrong side. I switched sides, became Christian. It was very, very scary for me to become a Christian. But the moment that I decided to receive Christ in my heart, I received this great blessing and joy in my heart. I began to realize that I need to represent the truth. So I began to fight for the truth. And that's when I began to see a lot of struggle between myself, my family, my countrymen, the liberal movement, the media. So here I am. I'm proud to be a Christian. And uh, I am not ashamed. It really is um, a serious, life-changing conversion experience for you. Uh, those of us in the West, you know, in nations where Christianity is, you know, vastly accepted, uh, becoming a Christian isn't that much of a lifestyle change. For you, you really paid a price. Tell us what kind of price you paid uh, to convert uh, from Islam to Christianity. Well, I remember reading the Bible. It says you will lose lands. You will father against son, mother against daughter. You know, <clears throat> And the New Testament becomes a reality. It's not just something you read as a context of the historical persecution of the Jews during the Roman era. But it's an issue that we live through uh, being Christians for the rest of our lives. I remember the first time in a family reunion in Los Angeles with my uncle, my aunt, my cousins, their wives, their children. And my uncle began to see that I was behaving quite differently than in the past. He asked me the question, point blank, in front of everybody, the entire family. He came down from the stairs and looked at me point blank and asked me very loudly, Who is your God? And the first thing that came to my heart at this moment was, If you deny me, then I will deny you. That was the test that I need to basically show myself worthy. So I had to stand up and say, my God is the one that died for me on that cross on Calvary. That's who my God is. And the spitting began, the screaming began, the yelling began. Instantly lost my land, my property. Instantly lost my family. Instantly, you know, began to struggle with this loss of family. For a Middle Eastern male, this is very difficult, of course. But I remember driving on the freeway, I pulled over, and I stomped my shoes on the ground. My wife was asking me, what are you doing? I said, I'm shaking the dust off my feet. I will gain a new family, and I will gain a new life. And so, here my life, and I began to fight against Islamic fundamentalism, and began to become very critical of Islam. And that became my crime in the West, in which now I'm being ridiculed for all sorts of things, for basically beginning to expose the theology of Islam. Now, I've been fascinated. I've watched some of your teaching on DVD. You, you travel around with Chuck Missler, a well-known Bible teacher. Uh, you, you've had the opportunity to speak, uh, you know, to some of the top universities in the world, world leaders, Homeland Security in the US, the FBI, the politicians in, on Capitol Hill. Uh, you're coming over to Australia soon uh, with Chuck Missler doing a tour. Uh, tell us what is the message that you're going to bring when you come to, to, to our nation? 
Well, that uh, critiquing Islam is part of our rights in the West, that we need to begin to examine the Bible, basically, in what it warned us about the spirit of Antichrist. Islam has the spirit of Antichrist. And begin to delve deeply into the Bible, into the scriptures, and begin to dig deep into the scriptures for the time as such as this, in which the Bible did warn us about that threat. In 1 John 2.22, it's pretty clear who is the liar, it says. He is the one who denies, you know, that Jesus is the Christ. He is the man Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. So it's pretty clear. The ones who are adamant about denying the Father and the Son is the Islamic world. I began to see, when I first joined the church, there was many elements in the Bible that are not really studied. So I am going to be basically going through biblical studies in which the verses are rarely ever uh, discussed in the Christian circles in the West. So I'm going to be digging very deep into Islam, looking at the Bible, what it says about the threat of Islam. All the nations that God deals with practically are Muslim that he deals with in the end of days, including the coming of Jesus. In Isaiah 19, it says fairly clearly, you know, the Lord comes riding in a swift cloud and is coming into Egypt. The idols of Egypt will totter before him. Hello, this is, when was the last time Westerners had a Sunday school service in which they said, well, today we'll be teaching how our Lord Jesus Christ is going to come fight the Muslims in Egypt. But this is in the Bible. So I'm going to be delving deeply into the Bible. Of course, the issues of Israel as well. And the issues of how to study Scripture. Because, you know, we've lost touch of what the Bible has been telling us and warning us. It's not as God forgot to tell us about the threat of Islamic fundamentalism. It's that the Christian West did not really look seriously for what God has been saying for thousands of years about this threat. Now, one thing I'm fascinated, uh, I've heard you say when you speak, is that, you know, we read the Bible with Western eyes, but you have the, uh, the opportunity to understand the scriptures from an Eastern culture. Do you want to explain to us, unwrap what you mean by that? Well, I can, I can bring a couple of examples just to kind of, you know, point this issue. Uh, <clears throat> when Westerners read the Bible, they read the whole earth, you know, they think this is the entire globe. But from an Eastern perspective, you know, when you say the whole earth, doesn't mean the entire globe in this case. The Bible gives us, you know, different uh, symbolism about the Antichrist, the beast, so on and so forth. It gives us all these composites, ten horns, ten toes. Well, that's not global. It's ten kings. There's more than ten kings in the world. Um, issues about the mark of the beast, you know, uh, you'll have the number of his name, but what is the name of the beast from a Middle Eastern perspective? A name is a title, it's a description. So there are many elements in the Bible, Westerners view and read it uh, just in the you know, simple English translation, but it has a different connotation when we look at it from an Eastern lens. So the Bible is an Eastern book. We've got to look at it from an Eastern lens. Also, the Bible is Middle Eastern-centric. You know, Westerners tend to read the Bible as, a, you know, the Bible is Western-centric. I, I don't understand it, why they keep insisting the Antichrist must be Western. Why is the West so dying to become Antichrist? <laughs> there is other Antichrist. There is Islam. Islam is very much a spirit of Antichrist. So we will, you know, I authored a book titled God's War and Terror, which is probably the most detailed 
work done on the issues of comparing Islamic eschatology with biblical eschatology. We will delve deeply into the Islamic eschatological views and how they are the antithesis of what's in the Bible. In other words, the Muslim world is really being prepared to accept the spirit of Antichrist and the system of Antichrist. Now, I'm just fascinated. Like, I love hearing uh, teachers uh, like Chuck Missler and yourself teaching on the end times. And, uh, you know, you yourself have said that there are many and varied views uh, on end times and eschatology that that many preachers bring forward. Uh, But the most important thing that we know is that Jesus is coming back and uh, those of us who have faith in him um, will be be with him. Tell me, uh, if there are people listening, Waleed, who don't have faith in Jesus, who don't understand what the gospel is, who haven't become a Christian. Would you speak to those listeners about how they would become a Christian? Well, I mean, I could say from an ex-Muslim, the idea of salvation in Islam used to be by us dying as martyrs for the cause of Allah. By the time I read the Bible, I saw that God offered one single martyr, his son, by the shedding of his blood, and by us believing that he paid for our sins. And by us believing who he is, the son of the living God, God incarnate, that we uh, believe in what God did for us as it is uh, uh, the issue of grace, that God gave us mercy. There is no way for us to obtain enough works or merit to basically reach to heaven. That's an impossibility that God sent his son to reach down to us. And that's basically the gospel message. It's a very simple message. And it's proven fact by just looking at the life that we live in. We kill an innocent animal so we can be sustained. Without the death of innocence, life cannot be sustained. So uh, the gospel of the message is everywhere. It's in the air we breathe. It's in the food we eat. It's in the very daily life that we live. The gospel does make sense. And as many as the Muslims want to claim it doesn't, it does. Actually, the other side of the story doesn't make sense, because if you cannot believe that uh, intercession of an innocent can save you, then maybe you could stop eating. You know, no one can be sustained without the death of the innocents, and that's the message of the gospel. Now, you know, we look at someone like the Apostle Paul, you know, he was a murderer of Christians, and yet the grace of the Lord Jesus was enough to wash away his sins. Um, tell he was us, also the next terrorist. He was. Well, tell me about your story, Waleed. You, you were a PLO terrorist. What kind of trouble did you get into, and is the, the blood of Jesus enough to wash away your sins too? Absolutely. The blood of Jesus, even Hitler, after killing six million Jews, had he gotten his knees and confessed his sins and received Jesus, God will forgive him too. You know, uh, it's amazing. I mean, uh, Paul, the story of Paul and the road to Emmaus, he ran into Jesus Christ. And he said, why do you persecute me? He was a persecutor of God's people. So was I. Paul was an ex-terrorist. So was I. God has a sense of humor, I guess. And uh, he uses ex-terrorists. <laughs> and I simply began to realize I was persecuting God's people. I was going against God this whole time, and I had to come to the element of confession, because confession is the beginning of healing, and without confession, there's no healing, there's no salvation. We must confess our sins. We must confess our sins to God, and God is worthy to basically forgive our sins, but we have to follow God's manuscript, not our manuscript, to reach this salvation. All the other salvations in the world are false salvations. If I can summarize Islam in one word, it's different than how I would summarize the Bible in one word. 
the Bible, if I can summarize it in one word, I can summarize it in the word Calvary. If I can summarize the Quran in one word, I can summarize it in one word as cavalry, warfare. God is not about warfare. God is about peace. And without the Prince of Peace, of course, we will never have peace on earth. Well, Waleed, I'm so looking forward to uh, seeing you speak in Australia. I know you're travelling around major uh, capital cities in the country with, uh, with Chuck Missler. And uh, if people want to find out more information, they can go to the website, uh, www.ucb.com.au, and uh, they can find the details. Uh, and uh, you, you've got a great series out called Prophecy, Islam and the Bible. And uh, I've got that at home, and I'm, my wife and I are really enjoying it. Uh, so That's tell me, is, is there a website of yours that we can have a look at if people want to find out more about yourself? Yes, it's very easy. Everybody puts a shoe on every day in the morning. So you can always remember me by remembering the word shoe, just as you spell it. S-H-O-E and bat, as a baseball bat. S-H-O-E-B-A-T dot com. Well, well, Ed Shubat, mate, I reckon you're a history maker, and we're so looking forward to having you in Australia. God bless you, and thank you so much for joining us. And God bless Australia, my friend. If you'd like to download this interview, just go to www.historymakersradio.com. And also, you can make a donation if you'd like. I'm Matt Prater. Have a great week. History Makers.